So welcome to this breakout session. The title of the session is The Proper Christian Attitude Towards Social and Political Problems. Um, and before I begin, I just want to say that uh, this is not an authoritative um, um, teaching um, that represents the church or perhaps even the brothers. Uh, this is really just uh, a brother presenting to you a perspective um, on what I feel like has helped me as a person who serves the Lord and how to handle uh, this particular matter. And I think especially in light of uh, today, uh, climate that's very charged uh, and sensitive, um, that I think maybe such a uh, perspective from the Word could be helpful to us. Um, and my goal today is not to persuade you or to dissuade you from uh, getting involved or not involved in the political process, uh, in social issues, uh, in public service in any way. That's not what I'm trying to do here. Um, but whether you are engaged or you're not engaged, that you would have um, some consideration coming from the Bible that uh, would help you um, have a better grasp of what's going on. Um, and the first point on the outline, Roman number one, you see that. Uh, to me, I think before someone can uh, consider social and political problems today, is they need to have uh, a vision for God's eternal purpose. And um, I think it's good to begin with a little story from the gospel today. Uh, the verses I have here is Matthew 19. That's supposed to be verse 3 and 7, but it's, it's 6 and 7. It's supposed to be 3 there, so let me read 3 for you. Uh, here's Matthew 19, 3. And some Pharisee came to him, came to Jesus, testing him and saying, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any cause? And I chose this because uh, this, even though it happened 2,000 years ago, is still the same today, right? So if one spouse, listen, if one spouse cheats on another spouse, is it okay for that person to get divorced? Well, most of us will say yes, right? I'm, I mean, no doubt, you know, if that person cheated on me, so we're getting divorced. But that's not what they're asking here. They're asking, is it lawful for, any, for a man to divorce his wife for any cause? I don't like her cooking. Can I divorce her? <laughs> you know, she's, she sleeps with the windows open. Can I divorce her? You know what I mean? Any cause. Oh, this is trickier. Not so clear. And you can imagine, you know, there were probably two camps to this, Right? There were probably one camp that says, yeah, you can divorce her for any cause. You don't like the way she looks at you? Divorce her. <laughs> and there was probably another camp that said, oh, wait a minute, that's too much. Not for any cause. You have to have like a substantial, legitimate reason for a divorce. Right? Does that sound familiar? You know, should I be on the left or should I be on the right? Blue state. Or red state. You see that? Very similar. 
And clearly they're asking the Lord because probably nobody had a good answer to this. Nobody had a solution. They've been fighting. It's nothing new. And you know what? I'll tell you what. This question, they're still fighting about it today. It hasn't changed. And so here they are. They're coming to the Lord. And it's, listen, this is a political issue. And this is a social issue too. Is it okay to divorce? Is it not okay to divorce? Do we preserve the environment? Don't we preserve the environment? Gun safety, abortion, right? Inequality, income inequality, racial inequality, all kinds of stuff. And throughout the gospel, you see people coming to the Lord. So here they are. They come into the Lord and they ask him, here is a potentially political issue, problem. Here is a potentially social issue, problem. How are you going to answer? Is it okay for a man to divorce his wife for any cause? We got one camp over there that says, yeah, go ahead. And we got one camp over here that says, no, you can't. What do you say, Jesus? And so what does the Lord do? And you have to catch what he does. He doesn't, says, okay, let me dive into this thing of divorce and let me, you know, he does, this is what he does. He says, verse 4, And he answered and said, and said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? Okay, I'm sorry, that verse is not here. And then skipping down to verse 7, which is right here. Well, I got all the wrong verses here. They said to him, Why didn't Moses command us to give her a certificate of divorce and divorce her? In verse 8, that's the one I want on here. It should be verse 3 and verse, verse 8. I'll correct it in a little bit. He said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it has not been so. So the way the Lord responded to them, the answer he gave them was he brought them back to the beginning. He says, the original intention, the way God made things, that's what he did. He brought them back to the beginning. Say, you've got lost in this issue, and you got lost in these camps, you got lost in these problems. So here, here's how I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to bring you back to the beginning of what of how God set things up. Okay. And so today I want to begin this way because to for us to begin to touch this sensitive charge problems the political and social problems, you have to first have a vision of originally what God was doing. What was God doing? Okay. And what, originally what God's doing is Genesis 1.26. And God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion. This is the beginning of what God was doing with man. God made man with the intention of coming into man to live within man so that man would become his corporate expression. That's the original intention of God. And that has to be the vision, the overall vision we have to have in order for us to properly have an understanding of how Christian, what is the proper Christian attitude for social and political problems. 
Okay? From the beginning, what God wanted to do was he wanted to come into man to live within man and eventually to produce man, man as his corporate, his corporate expression. Okay? <clears throat> and we know that before that happened, the fall of man occurred. Man was tricked by Satan. Okay? And so, God's solution to fix this brings us to our next point. It says here, the two comings of Christ solving all inward and outward problems. So you have to realize that when man fell, when sin came in, two kinds of problems came out. Okay? When man fell into sin in Genesis 3, the first problem man had is the inward problem. And that's the problem of sin and death. And as a result, another problem also came out. The outward problem. How do we know there was an outward problem as well? Because God says, you will work by the sweat of your brows. Thorns and thistles, right, will come up. And you will travail in birth pain. So man's fall produced both inward and outward problems. Okay? And it is these inward and outward problems that we have political and social problems. Where does inequality come from? Where does right-wing ideology and left-wing ideology come from? Where does environmental problem come from? Gun control problem come from? They all trace back to the fall of man when sin and death enter into man to bring about inward and outward problems. And God's solution to solve these two problems, God's solution is the two comings of Christ. That's how God's going to solve this. Okay? And so, in the first coming of Christ, starting in Matthew chapter 1, when Christ came the first time, that coming was to solve man's inward problem. So Christ came, and you know from the previous message that you guys did, with redemption, regeneration, growth, and glorification, God solves our inward problem. So since 2,000 years ago, God's been solving man's inward problem by saving man inwardly. Okay? And in the second, but he has not touched the outward things. The outward problems of man is, will not be solved until the second coming of Christ. And in Christ's second coming, he will gain a corporate bride and he will bring in the millennial kingdom and then he will solve all outward problems. And the Bible even says at that time there will be peace in the environment. There will be no unrighteousness. It says even the, a baby will be able to play with a snake. It says the lion will be able to lie down with the lamb and not be afraid that the, the lion will eat the lamb. So the Bible says that God eventually will solve all the outward problems. Okay? Now is not the time to do that. Meaning what? Meaning that there isn't a solution. There is no human solution to social and political problems. The only person that can solve this is Christ. And what Christ is doing today is He is more focused on solving our inward problem of sin and death. To bring us into life. And when He gains that and He produces us as His bride, then He will come back 
And at His second coming, He will solve all our problems. There'll be no more government needed. No more social media, egad. No more social media needed. I know it's hard to imagine. Okay? <clears throat> but here's the thing you have to get. And here's where I think it can be very helpful. God's very wise. See, if you look in this chart, you see uh, uh, on, under Roman number 2, this line, you have the fall. Right after the fall of man, God promises that he would come to man. In Genesis 3.15, God says, okay, look, you're in sin and death. Here's the solution. You need the seed of the woman. So I'm going to come to you. I'm going to become a man and I come to you. But that didn't occur for 4,000 years. So even though God promised a solution, it wasn't right away. Okay? So between the fall of man and the first coming of Christ to solve man's inward problem, God is very wise, and He figured a way to preserve and keep humanity until He could come. Does that make sense? And so what did He do to do this? He instituted human government. Okay, he instituted human government. And he gave man the law. So God gave man something to preserve man, to keep man, so that Christ could come the first time to solve man's inward, inward problem. So Roman number three says, and there shouldn't be an apostrophe S there, God preserving and keeping humanity for his eternal purpose. Okay, let's read Romans 13, 1 and 4 together. Ready, go. Okay, and how about uh, brothers on Galatians 3.19a? By one in the law, it was added because of the transgressions until the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And then how about sisters on Galatians 3.24? So then the law has become our child conductor unto Christ that we might be justified out of faith. Okay, so from these verses you see God gave man the law to preserve human life, to preserve society, to preserve an environment. And God gave the law to care for man. Okay? But ultimately, what was the function of these things? And especially Galatians 3.24, you see it. So then the law has become our child conductor unto Christ that we might be justified out of faith. Okay? So God gave this not just to keep man and to preserve man, but to do something. The goal of this was to eventually lead man to Christ. So even though man fell from God's original intention, God still intended to carry it out. He would carry it out with Christ coming. But until that occurs, God has to preserve humanity. And so he instituted human government and he gave man the law to keep humanity until he can come. 
okay? <clears throat> so what does this mean? What does this mean? Does it mean we throw away, we don't care for government, we don't care for politics, we don't care for a social issue? As Christians, we just like, you know, those things are not important. Well, on the one hand, when Christ comes back, they're not important, right, in his second coming. But until Christ comes back, God in his wisdom instituted these things to preserve humanity, not just for the sake of preserving mankind, but with the intention of saving men and producing the church. Does that make sense? And so our involvement with these things depends. It depends. Okay? If I merely am involved in the political process or give myself to social issue, if that's all I'm doing, then it's for naught. Okay? It's actually worse than that. I have to realize that that in itself would not solve anything. It's not solvable. It's unsolvable. Okay? If I... Now, whether, whether the Lord leads me or not, whether the Lord leads you or not, that's between you and the Lord. But if the Lord leads you to touch it, you have to realize my touching it is not because I want to solve the political process. I want to solve the ideologies. I want to solve social issue. I may touch it with the realization that these things may be necessary for God to have a situation for Him to carry out His purpose on the earth. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Because without that, then you're stuck in Roman numeral 4. Because Roman numeral 4 says, the ultimate result of all human activities. Okay? Proverbs 14, 12. Let's read this together. How about that verse? What seems right to you? Hmm? Democrats, that seem right? Republicans, that seem right? Green Party? Independent? What else is there? Libertarian? Socialism, is that right? Capitalism, is that right? Communism, is that right? Huh? Background check, is that right? Tax brackets, is that right? Universal health care, is that right? Which one's right? Which one's right? Everything's right. Seems like that, right? One camp over here says, this is right. The other camp over here says, this is right. You see that? One camp says, no, you can divorce for any cause. That's right. The other camp says, no, no, that's too much. You can't divorce any cause. Only in like legitimate cases. That's right. Sound familiar? How did we solve that? That was 2,000 years ago. That's, you, has that been solved yet? Okay. Everybody has a right answer. 
sometimes we have wrong answers for sure, right? But then sometimes we feel like, no, I, I, have, the, I have the right answer. This, this guy who's running for this, he says, I have the right answer, vote for me. This person running for this, no, I have the right answer, vote for me. This person with this cause, no, I have the right answer, follow me. I, no, this person, no, I have the right answer, retweet me. Okay. There's a way which seems right to a man, but the end of it is the ways of death. All human activities leads to what? Death. It all leads to death. Okay? If I merely touch politics just for the sake of politics, even if I could improve it, I'm sorry. <laughs> hit the chair instead. Even if I could change it, it it's just ends in death. Right? If I touch it without having any realization, any thought, any contribution, any view of God carrying out His purpose, then it just ends in death. Does that make sense? I'm not telling you not to touch it. You've got to understand that. I'm not telling you not to touch it. I'm not telling you to touch it. What I'm saying is whether you touch it or you don't touch it, you have to have a view that God is trying to carry out His purpose. He wants to produce a bride and bring in the kingdom. He's already taken one step to do that. He did it when He came 2,000 years ago so that He could redeem us and regenerate us with His life. And from that day on, He is building us up by growing us and transforming us and renewing us until He gains a bride. And when He does that, He's going to come back a second time. And then that coming, he's going to bring in his kingdom. And he's going to end all human government. He's going to end all monetary needs, all human affairs. And it'll be under one rule, and one throne. And there'll be no more sickness, no more famines, no more starvation, no more diseases, no more wars. And that's what he's doing. And that's the view we have to have. That's what you have to get. You understand that? I want to end with uh, Roman number 5. It says here, Our life and work, taking God's eternal purpose as the goal. And if you look at these verses, it's, really, it's 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, but I put them in reverse order, okay? And there's a reason for that. It says here, verse 3, This is good and acceptable in the sight of our Savior God, who desires, what does God desire? All men to be saved. All men to be saved. And what? Okay. So first, God desires that we, need to, we should be saved. That means what? We would receive His life, right? And then what does it mean to come to the full knowledge of truth? Why that there? Why does it say, why, shouldn't it say, God desires all men to be saved and to build a church? Shouldn't it say that? What's the big deal here about coming to the full knowledge of the truth? Have you ever considered? Why is that such a big thing? Why, why do we spend a weekend here getting into the Word, learning, knowing these things? You know, we're trying to come to the full knowledge of the truth. 
Have you ever considered why? Why do we spend so much reading? You know, we have our Bible reading schedule, and we read ministry books, and we have times where we get together you know, on campus or in homes, and we fellowship all the time. It's all we you know, just get into the Word so much. Why? Why is studying the Word and having the knowledge of the truth so important to us? Have you ever considered? I want you to take a minute and think about it. Why is the knowledge, why is this God's desires that we would, one, be saved, we get that, and then to come to the full knowledge of the truth? Can you experience what you don't know? Hmm? Can you experience what you don't know? Can you gain what you don't experience? We want to, the way to produce the body, build the church to produce the body, is we need to gain Christ. And the way to gain Christ is we need to experience Him. And the way to experience Him is we need to know. Because knowing the truth opens the door to us experiencing Christ. And when we experience the Lord, we gain Him. And when we gain Him, Christ can build the church. And when the church is built, the bride is produced, the second coming can occur. The kingdom can come in. And Christ will solve the final problem, the outward problem. Does that make sense? So this is what God wants. This is good and acceptable to our Savior God. That we will be saved and we will come to the full knowledge of truth. This is what God wants. Okay? But before that, there's verses two, 1 and 2. What does 1 and 2 say? Let's read it together. You see there? In order to, for men to be saved, in order to come to the full knowledge of truth, Paul says, but first, you have to do something. What's that? You need to pray. Pray for what, though? Pray for what, though? Pray for people to be saved? That's not what he says. Pray for what? Pray for, on behalf of kings... And all who are in high position, that we may lead a quiet and tranquil life. That pray for, pray for the people around you, especially kings and people in high position. Those are the people that affect the environment, affect how you're going to live day to day. You understand that? So that you could be in a certain kind of condition, quiet and tranquil, inwardly. You would, you would be okay with what's going on. And outwardly, there would be a proper environment for what? For men to be saved and to come to the full knowledge truth. You see that there? Does that make sense? So, the, okay, what's my attitude? What's my attitude toward political and social issue? My attitude is that at the very least, 
I need to pray for on behalf of kings or in our country presidents senators congressmen city council I don't know how would the Lord lead you pray for kings and those in high position so what just so that they could be okay they could do their job well no so that they may whatever that whatever needs to happen perhaps however God would use them so that there would be a situation an environment a condition where regardless of what's happening inwardly I am peaceful I'm at peace with it and outwardly there is some quietness some tranquility for what for the real work that's going on which is what God saving men and bringing them to the full knowledge of the truth so that they can experience and gain Christ you, you understand you see that you understand that does that make sense so my attitude toward social and political problems is that whether I'm involved or not whether I touch it or not I don't no one can say you have to be before the Lord I, we're, not, we're not here I'm not here trying to, to to discourage you from public service some of you may enter into public service I'm not here to discourage you from picking up social causes some of you may I'm neither discouraging or encouraging you what I'm saying is whether you touch it or whether you, whether you don't you have to realize on the one hand they are unimportant because there's going to come a day when none of that will matter but on the other hand until that day comes we are taught that these things God in his wisdom knows how to orchestrate so that not only there would be a environment and a condition but we ourselves our condition maybe I'm quite unhappy who's in charge or or whatnot regardless of that I would have the peace I would be tranquil to do what to do what I need to do which is to take care of God's eternal purpose which requires that people get saved Christ is dispensing to them and they grow in life and experience the Lord so that the church can be built up and the Lord can come back and bring in his kingdom does that make sense okay so that's it all right so that's the time here okay so this is my this is just my consideration my perspective on this I've been serving a few years and I've considered when all the turmoils and all the different issues creep up how do I handle this how do I view this and this is just my view right my studying my consideration over the years and I'm just hoping to pass it on to you I, I hope it's beneficial to you in some ways right um, but I want you to know that whether you get involved or not there's one thing you have to be involved in okay and I let's read the last Roman numeral together Roman number five ready to go our life and work taking God's eternal purpose as the goal okay if I touch the political scene 
I don't touch it with that being the goal. If I pick up a cause, a social cause, I don't pick that up with the goal. I may touch it. Maybe the Lord leads me. And maybe by doing that and contributing a small portion in some way, it may improve something. It may not improve something. Who knows? But that's not the goal. If that's the goal, I'm back in Roman number four. What seems right to me ends up in death. Okay? The goal is that I would take care of God's eternal purpose. He desires that people will come to know him and to build the church. And that's the goal. Does that make sense? That's the view I have to have all times, regardless of what I'm doing. In anything, not just the political scene or the social scene, in any profession, whether I become a doctor or an engineer, or I'm a mother at home raising kids, or I'm a teacher, or I'm a anything. Okay? I'm not merely doing that just for that. Whether that contributes or doesn't contribute, doesn't matter. Ultimately, I hope it contributes. I hope it's positive society, but that's not the point. The point is that regardless of any of that, I would be a person who would experience the Lord so that regardless of whether I'm happy with my environment or not, I agree with what's going on with my country or not. I am at peace so that I can preach the gospel, so I can minister Christ to others, right? I can minister Christ to maybe who, to someone who doesn't agree or doesn't see the way I see things. I need to have peace in order to minister Christ to that person, to save that person, to build up the church with other people who may not agree with me so that Christ can gain the bride and come back and bring in the kingdom, okay? And that's the goal. So our life and work, regardless of what we touch, has to take God's eternal purpose as the goal, okay? All right. So that's, uh, that's our session for today. And um, let's see here. I need to correct these verses at some point. So um, I'll correct them, and then we'll get a way to get a link for you guys so that y'all can download the right right stuff okay so if you want to pen it the the verses that i intended to put on here in roman number one was matthew 19 verses 3 4 7 and 8 matthew 19 verses 3 4 7 and 8 okay so we have uh we have about 10 minutes left and we can open this time for any questions or you have Carrie's here. He'd be happy to answer your question. <laughs> is it clear? Are you guys, you have some idea of what I was trying to say to y'all? Okay. I guess I have a question. Okay. So, so whenever we're getting to like um, the purpose of the law, mm-hmm. um, that like when preserving human life, is it that without the law, like maybe humans would have just kind of, I don't know, like, I guess destroyed one another? I don't know, mm-hmm. like basically? Mm-hmm. Is that kind of like what it is that human could be, humans could be preserved mm-hmm. so that the Lord could get his life into them? Mm-hmm. And that without that, it just would have been, mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. just some clarification. Yeah, okay. 
something like that? Okay. Well, I, I've heard a couple of illustrations that's really good. Okay, sorry. So the, so the question she asked is, uh, the purpose of the law, was it to preserve human life? Because maybe without that, humans would just destroy each other. And so I've heard a couple of illustrations I really like. One is, you know, when man fell, he went into a free fall. And if you go back and look in Genesis, that's what you see. You know, the fall began in chapter 3, but then by chapter 4, he's, he's falling further. It's like, it's like basically jumping on an airplane, okay? So chapter 3 was he got out of the door. He's like, okay, see you later. He's out of the plane. And then from that point on, he's picking up terminal velocity. And he's going fast and fast until he hits the ground, okay? So right away, you get to chapter 4. What do you see right away? You see the first murder in the Bible, right? It didn't take long to go from eating the tree of knowledge of good and evil to like Cain and Abel, see ya, okay? So, and then it gets worse. By chapter 6, I mean, God, Jehovah, looks at the earth and says the whole earth is filled with violence. And he's ready to blot man out. And then by chapter 11, this is after the flood, they're building the Tower of Babel. And they said, we want to reach to where God is. And that's the ultimate fall, because that was Satan's original rebellion. So, by, so Satan gets man to eat the tree of knowledge, you're going to eat in chapter 3. And by chapter 11, man is doing exactly what Satan did in his initial rebellion. So man becomes basically a reproduction of Satan by that point. Okay? So man, he's just like spiraling out of control. He's just on a free fall until he hits the bottom. And so what, what do you need when you're just going down that fast? You need a parachute. You need to slow down, right? So the law, I heard the example, we're like a, the law was like a parachute that God gave man. And it slowed down the fall. You know, because when you're falling, you need a parachute to help slow you down until Christ can come. And if you think about the law, that's what the law is. The law is a parachute. You want to go, you know, you're angry at someone, I'm going to get him. So, you know, like, I'm going to go speak. And the law is like a parachute. Whoa, wait a minute. It's not so fast. Right? The law basically, it's like a parachute. It's just... It's like drag, because it's a drag, right? It pulls you back. So the law is like a, a parachute that is slowing you down to give Christ time to work out the situation for him to come to the earth the first time. Another example, another, I've heard another brother use, like, uh, like the, the law is like bricks on a, like, a, like your car or a, a train, right? The train's speeding out of control. You need brakes to slow it down. Okay, so that's the law. And then I heard this illustration one time. His brother asked this. He says, let's say the U.S. government decided uh, Monday, for one day a year, one day out of 365 days, they decided they're going to uh, nullify one law. Okay? They, they're going to nullify one law. The, law. the law to kill someone. So they decide for one day only, it's, we will not charge you. There will be no law about murdering at all. You can kill whoever you want for one day. And after that, we put the law back in. So just one day a year, we want, there's no such thing as a law for murder. And somebody asks, would you leave your house that day? You know? So your neighbor, you know, your neighbor's been mad at you. You know, for years, you know, he doesn't like the way you take care of your lawn or something. And he's waiting for that one day. He's going to just get you that one day, you know what I mean? Or, or you, know, you owe me money, and I've been wanting you to pay me back, and you haven't. Okay? So I'm just waiting for that one day. I'll deal with you. 
So he said, listen, that's just one law. He said, the United States has thousands of laws, but they'll just hold back one law that day. He said, what kind of chaos would occur in that one day? Just removing that one law. So he says, imagine if we have no laws, nothing to govern human uh, activities, human desire, human affairs. He said, what would society look like? How chaotic would things be? What kind of a mess would be? And then he asked this, how long would it take until we all kill each other? See that? God knows this. I mean, he's, you see it right away in Genesis. The fall starts to occur. The first thing it does is man eliminates each other. Satan's behind the scene instigating man to get rid of... Satan's smart, you know. He's not going to kill man. He's going to get man to do for him. For him. He's going to get man to kill himself. Satan knows if I can just get rid of humanity... God has no way to fulfill his purpose. Right? So God in his wisdom gave man the law to abate the fall of sin. To abate the working of sin. To slow it down. So that eventually Christ can work out. Christ can, God's purpose does not occur in a vacuum. It occurs in society on the earth with humans. And God has to work with all these situations and all these pieces like a chessboard until there is time, not just for Christ to come, but for the scene to be right. Okay? What if, listen, what if Christ comes to the earth and he has uh, the message of the gospel to release, but there's no language to release it? You know? You, you understand? So, the Lord has to wait for human language to develop to a point where it is fine enough for him to use words to express the abstract thoughts of God's purpose. See that? What if there are no roads? There's no way to travel. You know, today it's so easy to travel, but thousands of years ago, how do you go from point A to point B? From thousands of miles away. So God said, Paul, here's the gospel. I need you to take it and go preach the gospel. Send it over the earth. And Paul goes, well, how do I do that? Like, you know, can I get a car or something? I mean, you know, there's none of that. So God has to wait for roads to get built. Somebody has to figure out how to build roads, you know, so you can travel on. Okay? And then what about, you know, I mean, we don't think about today, but back then people didn't travel that much. You know why? Because they were afraid of being what? Being robbed, right? Being robbed. It was very common. You know, you're, you're traveling, and there were some bandits hiding behind the bush waiting for you. And they jump out, and they just rob you and take your stuff, right? So God has to wait for some way of producing an environment where you could travel safely without, being, without fearing that criminals are going to descend upon you. So about 2,000 years ago, the Romans government, the, Rom the, the Romans rule the land, and they release something called the, uh, what's it called? The Pax Romana. Have you ever heard that? The Pax Romana. The Roman peace. Have you heard that? So this was thing called the Pax Romana. It's a peace throughout the whole land. And basically they said, if anybody commits a crime, we as Rome would come after you. Before then, you can commit a crime and there was no accountability. But now Rome says, we're going to hold you accountable. We're going to come find you, and we're going to get you. Okay? And it's called the, you know, oxymoron, you know, paradoxically called the Roman, the Roman peace. 
right? And basically, he put the fear in people. Go, oh, you know, oh, here's Corey. He's going to travel. Oh, look how much stuff he's got in his carriage, carriage his wagon. I'm going to get him. But then, oh, I, I better not because, mm-hmm. man, if I kill him, they're going to find me. And they're going to see. So God has to wait until there was a situation where the apostle can travel without being killed in two days. Wow. And the gospel ends. So God has worked throughout human history. You understand that? In order for him to... God's purpose does not happen in a vacuum. It happens in human history. Does that make sense? So these things are necessary for God to carry out His purpose, but they're not the end. They're not the goal of what we should be doing. They're merely a procedure for the real work that's going on, which is for God to carry out His purpose on the earth. So yes, politics is important or not important. Social issues is important or not important. It doesn't matter. These things are all are happening and they affect the conditions for God's purpose to be worked out. And whether I touch them or not depends. And if I touch them, I touch them with a view that whether I contribute positive or none at all, my real goal, my real job, my real view of what's going on on the earth and why I exist is for God to carry out His purpose.